0: Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. God is our Heavenly Father. But what if the idea of Father leaves you feeling ambivalent or even angry? What is the power of the language we use for God? Join us for the message when we cry, Abba, Father. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. You know, God is our Heavenly Father, but what if the idea of Father leaves you feeling maybe a little ambivalent, or sometimes maybe even angry? What is the power of the language that we use for God? Well, join us a little later for our message when we cry, Abba, Father.
1: Our scripture comes from a chapter in Luke and the chapter in Romans. Our first reading is Luke 15, 11 through 24. Listen now for the word of God. Then Jesus said, there was a man that had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that will be being to me, belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, A severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father." But the father said to the slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Our second reading comes from Romans chapter 8, several different verses. For all who have who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him." Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for well, we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes with the saints according to the will of God. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything in else in all creation will be able to separate us from love of god in christ jesus our lord this is the word of god for the people of god
0: when i was in college down in austin i decided to take a course to become an emergency medical technician, or an EMT. Now, an EMT is about one step below a paramedic, and they often work for ambulance companies or in hospitals, and it was not an easy course. There were many requirements that you had to fulfill. First of all, in addition to attending a three-hour class every Tuesday night for an entire semester, we had to work several shifts in an ambulance, attend emergency preparedness labs on Saturday, and we had to engage in this massive mock disaster drill, which was rather gruesome. There were just injuries and fake blood everywhere over this football stadium. But we also had to work a shift in the emergency room at the local county hospital. Now, spending eight hours in an ER is an experience that I will never forget. Now, for the people who normally work there, this was just another Day in the aver- a day in- average day in the office, but it, for me, it meant being exposed to people and to situations that I had never encountered in my then 19 years of life. I cleaned a lot of wounds that night. I spent time trying to keep calm an agitated drunk who was handcuffed to her bed. I had to hold down the arm of a woman who had been badly burned while a nurse debrided her wound. Now, debriding a burn means that you peel off the top layer of damaged skin in order to prevent infection later on, but it's also excruciatingly painful. All I can say was a good thing I was 19, young and strong, because that woman fought me with all she had, and she was screaming in my ear the entire time. But I think the memory, though, that really haunts me from that brief shift, from that day I spent in the ER was when a high school football coach came in who had been in a terrible automobile accident. And when they brought him in, he was barely alive. As they cut off his clothes, I could see that his body was just covered in bloody wounds, and the whole body appeared bloated just because of all the internal bleeding. One of his legs was badly broken, and I could see how it shifted off at an unnatural angle from where the bone was protruding out of the skin. The doctors and nurses tried their best, but within minutes, he had died, and I would never watched someone die before. One of the nurses said that his wife had been notified that he had been in an accident, and she was on her way to the hospital and that the doctor and the hospital chaplain would be waiting for her, where they would take her off into a private room to tell her the bad news. It was about half an hour later, and there was a lull in the action, and one of the orderlies and I, we were just chatting. I have no memory what we were talking about, maybe sports, maybe the weather. I don't remember. What I do remember is that while we were just standing there talking, there suddenly arose within the ER this eerie sound of wailing. It was muffled it was coming from another room maybe several rooms away but it was surprisingly loud and there weren't even words it was just wails and moans coming from a place of utter uh, desolation in a way it didn't even sound human but i immediately knew this was the sound of a wife just being told that her husband had died and what was so weird is the orderly just kept on chatting with me like nothing was happening I remember wondering how we could just continue to go on and on about something insipid when we could hear these heart-rending sounds of this woman who at that second was experiencing the absolute worst moment of her life. You know, there are times in our lives when we encounter such strong emotion that we are literally rendered speechless. When no words can convey the meaning of that moment, there isn't language that can do justice to the depth of feeling that we're experiencing in that moment. And it can be a moment of intense grief or fearsome rage, but it can also be a time of utter elation or joy. While I was studying to become an EMT, there was a second hospital shift that I had to attend to be certified. But instead of the emergency room, I was in labor and delivery. And that was the night that I got to witness a baby being born. A woman had been admitted just shortly before I arrived, so I had the opportunity to follow her through almost her entire labor from start to finish. Now, since she spoke Spanish and only just a little bit of English, the nurses did their best with their limited Spanish to communicate with her. But luckily, all went smoothly, and it was just a normal, everyday birth. And it was also a miracle. The baby was born, nurses cleaned her up and wrapped her in a blanket and put her in her father's arms and he looked down at his daughter just dumbfounded. Then he turned to his wife and he bent down, daughter in his arms, and they just looked at each other in the eyes and they just both started crying. And there was no need for words, no need for a translator because their expression said everything. The gift of language is perhaps the greatest gift that we have been given and the greatest difference between human beings and our fellow creatures. And yes, there are other species that communicate via sounds, but it still doesn't come close to what humans are capable of. I believe the acquisition of language may be the most important development ever in the evolution of humanity. Nevertheless, as we know, there are times when our words fail, when language is just not up to the task of conveying what we long to express. But thankfully, the Creator who formed both us and created language is fully aware of our weaknesses. Therefore, as Paul says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words Prayer is communication and communion with God. But our weaknesses, our sins, our failings, our shortcomings, just our simple limitations of being a finite being prevent us from praying as we ought. So in this, the scripture says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. But it's not just a simple matter of the Holy Spirit helping us. The Holy Spirit enables prayer itself because without the Holy Spirit, we are incapable of prayer. No human being is truly capable of prayer, not even a spiritual giant like Paul. Because notice in this wonderful eighth chapter of Romans, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, by the way, he uses the first person plural in verse 26. He says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. Part of the gift of language is the gift of prayer through which we experience intimacy with God. And so I think there are three important assurances or affirmations that we can make about prayer. I think first and foremost, we should never forget that we are God's beloved children, and on this we can be rock-solid certain. As a Jew, Jesus grew up surrounded by the words and stories found in the Hebrew scriptures, or what we call the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, God goes by a wide variety of names usually Lord, but also King and Rock and Lord of Hosts and Redeemer and God Almighty and God Most High, Shepherd, Deliverer, one of my favorite Ancient of Days, it's so poetic. And also Father. And of all the names that Jesus could have picked in the wonderful richness that is the Hebrew scriptures, I think it's remarkable that he chose father as his preferred title. In Aramaic, the everyday language that Jesus would have spoken, sometimes people think Jesus spoke Hebrew, but actually by that time they are speaking a related language, Aramaic. But in Aramaic, the word for father is Abba. So no, Abba isn't just the name of a pop band from Sweden. (laughs) We see this reflected in our English verses there in verses uh, or English Bible in verses 15 and 16. When we cry Abba Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. But in fact, the English word father. Many think isn't really even the best translation, because how, how many of us actually refer to our own fathers as father? We say dad. Father's just it's just too formal. We say uh, dad or pop or papa. So the use of, of Abba then signifies a deep intimacy between Jesus and God, not not a not a formality. It's a kind of intimacy with God that Jesus wants us to experience. So when we decide to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit enters our hearts and makes this type of intimacy possible. But the thing is, we have to recognize that for many people, calling God Father is problematic. Some people have no problem, but some people do. For one thing, calling God Father can give the impression that God is male, or that maleness is somehow more divine than femaleness. And of course, we know this is ridiculous. But yesterday, I was at my science and theology discussion group, and one of our hosts said that she had actually been teaching, I think at Sunday school, and encountered some Christians who insisted that God was a man. And I don't mean just that Jesus of Nazareth was a man. They meant that God himself was a man, Allah, la the Sistine Chapel. She didn't do this. I think she should have. But she wanted to ask them if they thought that God was a man, if God actually had private parts. And if so, exactly what did God use them for? Yeah, I think she should have asked them, but... If they really thought God was a man, these were Christians at a very simple level of theology. I do think that it is perfectly acceptable to refer to God as mother or parent. In fact, Jesus himself referred to himself as a mother hen when he wept over Jerusalem. It says there in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus is standing over Jerusalem and he says, how often have I, gathered, have, I, have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you are not willing. What I think is important, however, is not to lose this parental image for God because I don't think there's any other image or any other metaphor that I think better describes the essence of our relationship with God. Now, some people have problems with calling God Father for an entirely different reason. It has nothing to do with with gender or feminism or anything like that. Whether for good or for ill, our relationship with our earthly fathers, and this includes stepfathers and other father figures, can shape and color our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And unfortunately, many of us haven't enjoyed great relationships with our fathers. Because all of our fathers, like all human beings, they have their faults and their shortcomings. I'm, I'm deeply grateful that while my dad was not perfect, he was nevertheless a great dad. Today, by the way, is my parents' 74th wedding anniversary. Yeah. I wish they were here. But I've been a pastor and just a friend too long to not have heard many stories from those who have had less than great fathers, and from some who've had to deal with truly sick and dysfunctional fathers. For others of us, the problem may be simply that there in our lives was an absence of any father figure whatsoever, so you kind of don't even know what to do with the image of God as Father. But whether you're dealing or have had to deal with a dysfunctional or an absent father or mother, or if you've had or uh, have or have had just a regular old dad or mom with human faults, God is capable of healing our childhood wounds. And so I would suggest that you consider letting God reparent you. Let God be the parent you never had because I guarantee you that God can mend the broken places in your heart. Another problem that some of us have the idea of God as our Father is not with the idea of God being called Father, per se. The problem is that we don't truly believe that we are God's beloved children. Oh, we may accept the idea that we're God's children, but somewhere deep in our hearts, we don't really believe that God loves us that much. This may be because of early negative experiences, either at home or at church. One person described this kind of internal doubt by saying that it feels as if every time we mess up, the devil takes a spray can of paint through the inner walls of our hearts and scrawls out negative graffiti. I know what you're truly like, and God could never truly love someone like you. I saw what you did, and God's never going to forgive you. If you want God's love, you're going to have to earn it. You are an abomination and therefore unworthy of being loved. And I think this is why Jesus told this beautiful story the prodigal son. It's to help clean up that negative graffiti that holds us back. Because no matter how much that son screwed up and he screwed up royally, that father was going to accept him and love him and rejoice when he turned his life around. That's because the love that God has for us is not a reward for good behavior. It is a free gift of grace that God gives us just because that's the kind of God that we worship. So the first affirmation that we have concerning prayers, we must never forget that we are God's beloved children. The second affirmation is this. Because we are God's beloved children, We can come as we are, to the throne of God in total honesty, without fear, holding nothing back. There's a a beautiful three verses that are in the fourth chapter of the letter to the Hebrews. Since then we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who, in every respect, has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Third affirmation to be aware the Holy Spirit is always praying in us and for us. As Kathy read earlier, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we're the saints, by the way. When human words fail us, the Spirit intercedes for us, always praying for what is in our own best interest, sometimes when we don't even know what's in our own best interest. In other words, there is a 24-hour prayer meeting going on inside of our souls. The Trinity is having an ongoing conversation within us. And part of what the Holy Spirit can help us with is this ability to listen in on God's conversation. Because prayer consists of both words and silence. And as we learn to listen to the Spirit, then we'll be changed. And as we are changed, then the words and the content of our prayers will be changed. And we'll begin to pray in concert with that conversation that is already happening within us between the Spirit and the Son and the Father. The good news in all of this is that the primary energy in our spiritual formation, our sanctification, does not come from us. It's not all up to us. It's not a result of our knowledge, our wisdom, our will, our stamina. It is the ever-present and active work of the Holy Spirit so that we will come to have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. So in the end, It doesn't matter so much whether you call God Father or Mother or some other name for the divine. If calling God Father makes you better able to relate to God, then call God Father. If using other names for God is better for you, then use those other names. Take a hint from Jesus. You might try just the name Abba. Remain open, however, to new ways of looking to and naming God anything to enhance your intimacy with God and keep in your heart this beautiful reality that God loves you as only a perfect parent can love the Creator God has not abandoned us Paul wrote in Galatians when the fullness of time had come God sent his son born of a woman so that we might receive adoption as children And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. So as beloved children of God, let us continue to approach that throne with boldness. Because it is the Holy Spirit that prays for us. It is the Holy Spirit that prays within us what cannot be expressed by human words. Amen. And now receive this benediction. Spirit of God, go with us this day filled with your love. Make us people who will never stop proclaiming God's good news in all that we say and do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Join us again next Sunday as we continue our sermon series, The Holy Spirit, God on Fire. You can always access our services through our website, TUMCD.org, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, T-U-M-C-D.org. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.